You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Welcome, one and all, to episode 76 of the Pimpcron Warhammer Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to all of my jibber-jabber. And thank you to all my Patreon supporters. I greatly appreciate it. So what are we talking about tonight? Well, first off, we find out what a Kanban board is from our buddy Grendel, who is a Patreon cryptech, and he uh, opened my eyes to a completely new way to organize your hobby projects. So I introduced the other night... Um, a uh, bullet journal, and I've been using that, and he introduces a Kanban board, which I had to look up because I had no idea what the hell that was. So he writes in and uh, discusses that and a couple other things, but we are also discussing that you should take a bro trip. That's right, Uh, Just James and I are on here, and we are discussing bro trips or travel trips for Warhammer with your bros or your sisses. You know, that really doesn't work. Like, a bunch of dudes that are friends, they're bros. Like, that makes that makes sense. But a bunch of girls that are friends, or, or whatever combination, sisses just don't, doesn't sound right. Bros and sisses. So, sisters? That's That sounds dumb. Women need to come up with a phrase for a bunch of girls hanging out that are friends like bros. Because bros just fits so well. But anyway, in the past, I've talked about the benefits of traveling and playing Warhammer abroad, and this is an extension of that idea, because the benefits of traveling with a bunch of guys from your gaming group to go have fun for the day playing your favorite hobby is innumerable. Uh, All of the... I forgot how I started the sentence, but all the benefits are innumerable if I did not start the sentence in that way. I don't know. It's, It's been a long week, people. And we also have uh, several things covered in the live discussion at Shorehammer, the open mic podcast discussion at Shorehammer, and they discuss alpha strikes, they discuss the idea of an Age of Sigmar beta strike, which is pretty interesting, with the double turns, they discuss melee versus ranged attacks, and they even discuss pro- uh, progression the lore for Age of Sigmar 40k. So it's it's quite a bit covered in this short amount of time, but it's it's a very interesting conversation. And like I said, we had uh, roughly 30 people, I think, uh, discuss this at Shorehammer. So you get a lot of different input from a bunch of different people, some that only play 40k, some that only play AOS, and a bunch of others that play both. So I always like the different you know personalities and the different points of view for all of that. So what have I been up to? I have maintained my bullet journal even when I failed. So I've, um, you know, including my bullet journal, I am trying to finish old projects, which I have been doing pretty well. I think there's only one night this week where I did not try to finish an old project. I've been using it for my hobby time. Did I hobby at all? If it's even a new project. Like my sexy ass Necron Warriors from the Delac gang. Gotta tell ya. This Delac, Necromunda Gang, and my Necron Warriors are awesome. And it's helping me form some fluff around them and whatnot. So, still waiting for my um, War Games exclusive Necron Immortals to come in. And I'm very excited about those as well. I've already got their Tesla Carbines. I've got their Gauss Blasters. I've got all the bits I need. I'm just literally anxiously awaiting the delivery of those models. 
So, uh, more exciting news on the Necron front, the whole revamping of the Pimpcron Dynasty. My friend TJ was able to uh, 3D print me a proxy monolith. It's kind of resembling a monolith. He he took another file that was already existing and tweaked it a little more because the, the file that we used was actually like super small. It was like half the size of a monolith, so he actually enlarged it to be about the size of monolith and uh it's it's pretty cool um i'm i'm very excited about it and uh i'm just gotta i'm in the process of sanding it i glued it all together he um uh printed out a base for me which is pretty cool and i'm very very excited i know i know i know monoliths are not that great for their points in this edition but i have a monolith and uh, previous to this i have a monolith and it was early in my Warhammer career, and I kind of messed it up. I tried to make something that was super cool, and I think I'll probably make this a, a topic at some other point, which is just a hobby blunder of mine. And I never use my monolith, even in friendly games, because I just don't like the way it looks. It's from another time, 10 years ago, when I was young and dumb and, you know, all of that in the hobby, and I didn't really know what would look good or what would work well. So that monolith has been sitting in a case for a long time. I'm going to have to figure out what to do with it because I have this new, awesome monolith TJ printed for me. So very excited about that. I had a game of Age of Sigmar this week with um, my Tomb Kings using the uh, Mingle Miniatures Codex. And, you know, I, e I emailed them and they never replied to me. Like, ever. I, I have met, you know, <laughs> it's weird... I don't know. I must, I guess pimpcron at gmail.com ends up in junk folders. I'm assuming because, uh, I guess if you have pimp in the word of your email at all, I might as well be like pimpcron 90, you know, 69, 420 or something because they just think that's spam. But, um, anyway, I was wondering if they were going to make a version two of this codex, but the tomb Kings have a pretty nice codex, um, from Mangle miniatures. And I, uh, I used that against my friend David this week, and he was playing his Gloom Spite, and um, I beat him, I think, 26 to 16 or something like that. Uh, he made a pretty big error at the very end, and uh, I would have beat him, like, uh, by four points or something. I would have beat him either way, but instead of beating him by, like, 12 points, I would have beat him by, like, four points or something like that. I don't really entirely recall, but it was... It's amazing to me because he was playing a bunch of spider fang grots and he was playing a bunch of other gloom spite gets and whatnot. And I realized that the tomb kings are very durable because they keep coming back. Like their actual armor save is not good and things like that, but they do have the deathless save and they do keep coming back, which is kind of irritating to play against them. And it's kind of irritating to play with them doing that, but they keep coming back. The, on the other hand, the um, gloom spite gets they are uh, slightly better offensively, but they're also not very durable. So Tomb Kings, I've learned, Chariots and Cavalry, which is what I was using, are not very offensive at all. Their damage output sucks. They have no rend. They're hitting on fours and wounded on fours. They're just, they're just there to take up space. And we slap fought each other for like four straight turns. He, he charged all these spiders into my cavalry. And he'd kill, you know, two of my dudes or three of my dudes, and I'd bring one or two of them back. And then I'd kill, like, one of his dudes. And the next time, he'd kill, like, three of mine, I'd bring two back, and I'd kill one of his. I mean, it was, like, such a war of attrition. It We both got kind of irritated by it, because 
you know, he couldn't come back, but he was slightly more offensive than I was, but I would damage, like, kill one dude a turn, but I kept coming back, and it was, oh my gosh, it felt like we played for seven hours. But uh, at the very end, he kind of made a mistake for objectives, and that is, uh, that, you know, kind of made a landslide there. I also played my friend TJ, and we played 40k. He played his Grey Knights, revamped with his new Psychic Awakening spells and stratagems and all that, and uh, I played my Dark Eldar. We played such a cool mission from the uh, Epic War Planner book that you can find on Amazon. Haha, <laughs> that's a plug. You can find the Epic War Planner book on Amazon, and uh, that's my book. And we played the mission where he had this device that he was trying to escort off the edge of the board, and I got to deploy in specific spots all around him and essentially pincer strike him. You know, like Phalanx says, uh, Phalanx, Phalanx? 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 Okay, I don't know how to say that. A phalanx um, attack where you attack on both sides. And uh, it was so, so good. The The battle was awesome. I mean, because he's got Gate of Infinity, and he's just going to move this objective off the board. So then I had to literally spread out as hard as I could to keep him from being able to deep strike. He gave Dante, I keep calling him Dante, darn it, Drago. He gave Drago the objective, and Drago was deep striking all over the world, the board with Gate of Infinity, and it was just so cool. I mean, you know, a normal army would be easier to pincer strike if they could not just freaking teleport everywhere. And um, at the very end, I did keep him from going off the board, which which would have immediately ended the turn. But we were using the realm effects of a polluted city, which is also from the Epic War Planner. And at the beginning of each player turn, that player would roll one armor save for each one of his units that wasn't a monster or a vehicle. and uh, Or a save of whatever save you wanted. And uh, then they would the unit would take one damage. Well, it came down to the very last turn. And I managed to... Uh, I had a 10-man squad of racks in a raider... They ran over to Drago as close as they could. The raider got popped out from under him. I lost a couple guys out of that. Then I was down to, like, let's say seven guys. And then his dread knight assaulted, trying to kill them. And he killed three of them. Then I failed my morale check, which, in retrospect, actually, I was immune to Battleshock that turn, but completely forgot about it. So then I removed two more models. I was down to one guy. And, of course, I have objective secured. I was probably 10 inches from Drago, and I, w- I have a movement of 7 inches, and I can, you know, reroll my runs. So I was going to literally just slip in with my very last rack and take the objective from Drago at the very end of the game, and we would have tied. But then at the start of my turn, before I can move and do all that, I'm like, oh crap, I gotta take a armor save from the radiation. Four up in Vol. Oh, failed that. Six up Phil No Pain. Oh, failed that. And the final rack died from radiation exposure as he's trying to hunt down Drago. And that completely flip-flopped. He beat me uh, 10 to 2, I think. He got six kill points and then four more. Yeah, so he beat me 10 to 2. And uh, it would have been 6-6 six to six if uh, I had not, A, forgotten that I was immune to Battleshock, and B, uh, that the 
toxic exposure from the radiation had not killed that guy. So that was a really, really epic battle. I'm no lie. I mean, the, the position and the strategy and all of that, I was running everywhere trying to prevent him from deep striking. He had the new stratagem where people coming from reserve could do, uh, you know, deep strike not within three inches of an enemy. And it was, it was amazing. Very, very cool game. And, uh, I ended up losing a bunch of models to that radiation. Like every turn I'd lose a model. It was kind of funny. But then again, I mean, Dark Eldar are essentially in leather or naked. So, I mean, what do you expect? Uh, he, I don't recall if he ever lost anybody from the actual radiation, but super, super fun game. Really enjoyed it. So that is it. I think I'm going to let you go and you can listen to the Tesseract Mailbox. Why don't we do that? That sounds good. Let's open the Tesseract Mailbox. Hey everybody, it's time for the Tesseract Mailbox, and this episode of the Tesseract Mailbox is a letter from our good friend and, oh, another Patreon cryptech. That's right, Grendel helps support the show on Patreon. So he writes in and writes, Good show this morning. First, I agree the triumph of St. Catherine is a definite want that. I have mine ordered through my FLGS, friendly local gaming store, and I can't wait to ruin it with my paint job. <laughs> Don't we all kind of feel like that sometimes? Like, you know, most of us, let's let's be fair, most of us are not Golden Demon award-winning people. So um, we're, we're kind of ruining it with our paint job. Uh, your second segment was on point as well. The people I can't stand are the people that show off a Golden Demon level paint job and say it was their first time painting. Dang like whores. Lastly, I use a Kanban board called Trello to organize my projects. It is like the spreadsheets you were talking about. I have a main board with all of the minis I think I have left to work on. I have another board that is just the 2020 resolution board. Finally, I have started to break out individual armies to really focus in on them. While this does not keep the hobby butterfly from visiting, it does keep those lonely projects from being totally forgotten. Hope you have a good week, and I'll hear you next Monday. Grendel. First off, thanks for writing in Grendel. He wrote in at pimpcron at gmail.com. You can do that too, or you can write in at facebook.com slash pimpcron and find my profile and send me a message. I'm always happy to hear from you guys. Uh, this is what makes it all worthwhile, is that uh, you know the interaction between the listeners and I and, and whatnot. So first off, I have no idea what he's talking about for a Kanban board, K-A-N-B-A-N board. So I actually had to look this up. And uh, the definition of a Kanban board is an agile project management tool designed to help visualize work, limit work in progress, and maximize efficiency, otherwise known as flow. Kanban boards use cards, columns, and continuous improvement to help technology and service teams commit to the right amount of work and get it done. That's right. Kanban is the Japanese word for visual signal. Oh, isn't that interesting? I'm probably mispronouncing it then, because I don't think most Japanese talk Kanban like I probably am, but it's fine. Uh, I'm giving it the old, uh, uh, what is it, Ellis Island treatment. If your work... If you work in services or technology, your work is often invisible and intangible. So you need something like that to organize exactly what you're doing. Uh, a Kanban board helps make your work visible so you can show it to others and keep everyone on the same page. That's right. 
Kanban has come a long way from its origins in lean manufacturing, thanks to a small but mighty group of Kanban enthusiasts. And then it goes on and on and on about Kanban boards. The elements of a Kanban board, visual signals, columns, <laughs> work in progress limits, commitment point, and delivery point. So it seems to me like you can go way, way deep into this. But this, uh, the Kanban board can be physical, like something on your wall, kind of like my bullet journal I've been doing. Or it can be something digital, like um, Trello is actually a web browser version of a Kanban board, which is what Grendel uses. And I also had to look that up because a Kanban board called Trello, I have that is completely foreign to me. I have no idea what you're talking about. But I did look all this up and um, it seems pretty interesting, actually. It's really designed for organizing things. And uh, like he said, he, he writes down exactly, you know, what is partially done, what is completely done, you know, what um, is still in the docket to, to be done. And um, it helps him stay focused with all of his, you know, mods and whatnot, um, his different craft projects. Now, you know, I might be able to use this because my I was cleaning out my area that all my Warhammer stuff is in. And I ran across more than one project that I was like, oh, crap. Yeah, I bought all these heads from a Bits website so that I could blah, blah, blah with something. Um, like, for instance, I found 10 Skatari Ranger heads with like the mechanical face in the hoods in a little baggie. Why do I have them? I have no idea. I have literally no recollection why I specifically bought that little container of Skitari Ranger heads. So, I mean, I have them now, um, but I just don't know what the intention was. So, um, it, to at least, you know, have the stuff in your Kanban board or whatever you're using, you can at least put it on the back burner, but you're not going to forget about it. I feel like that's an important part of getting a project done is literally just not forgetting about it. Um, so that's very interesting. Um, and, uh, I appreciate you, uh, bringing it up, Grendel. And that St. Catherine, I agree, is an awesome model. Uh, just James just got his. And, uh, it's funny. He made the same joke I did. He's like, he sent me a picture of that woman holding a plate of roses. And she's, and he's like, do you think anybody's going to think this is a pizza? And it's the same exact thing I said. I was like, yeah, yeah. I already made that joke, asshole. Um, so anyway, it's uh, someone does need to paint that like a pizza and maybe paint the sister like Michelangelo. Anyway, thanks for writing in, Grendel, and thank you for supporting the show. Now, here's an idea. I hate to be a complainer, complainer but uh, the other problem I have is with flamethrowers, heavy flamers, etc., that if you're outside of the charge range and you charge in, your vehicles or soldiers just, I guess, forget how to use a flamer or decide not to use it when they're approaching them. I just see a huge problem with that. Yeah, Wall of Death was sick. I would also agree with you, honestly. I mean, I would say that's representing that something is making a 9, 10-inch charge. It's coming in so fast you're not able to get flamers up. So, uh, again... Right now, this game is not exactly... If, if, if the meta in this game was, oh my god, everything melee is just so good, that argument would have some weight. But right now, it's a shooty game, and every, it is definitely a shooty game. Like, it's a shooty game. <laughs> so, like, so, I mean... Yeah, but, but, like, the idea that, like... So, as a guy who likes to play a lot of close combat armies, like, focused on close combat, 
all of that fights against us, getting across the board is the number one problem for any close combat army. How am I going to do that if you don't have a plan for that or if GW didn't give you a way to get a plan for that? Your SOL. You can't transport everything. Not everything can get a transport. And even then, you can do math and not get there. Uh, so I, th I would understand what you're saying from a, again, this goes back to fluff, yes, but melee needs some balance. And I think that's part of the reason why you see that in there is that there has to be a way for them to go somewhere and do the thing they are built for. So the only problem with that is every army is different. And the, the huge problem is things that you can't kill before they get into that sort of range, or you can't kill a shooting before they get to you, like demons, things with all kinds of buffs and saves. So I get that the problem is that melee units will get wiped off the board, but there's so many different melee armies. So Space Marines I do get. They don't really have that. Lots of hands up. Hold on. Hold on. Lots of hands up. Derek, then Jay. I think to your point on the demons, it's it's really, I, I don't know if I would consider that a primary concern because demons, the best you're doing is a five plus save, maybe a four if you use a stratagem or replace uh, Zinch, which are not going to be charging you anyway. So I, I, I do think, I agree with the, the first comment earlier that this is really a shooting, shooting game. Uh, melee, by in general, doesn't perform as well in the meta. The white scars are good, but they're still struggling. Yeah. But there's, but it, by in general, it is a shooting game, and it, it, I would be hard pressed to say a melee army has a lot of chance unless they have a lot of mechanics to get you in. I would argue that the problem with melee is more a problem with terrain, because like in this format with magic boxes, my double fighting Deathwing knights were just a terror all day to everyone that faced against them. So if you have the right terrain, you could do it, but without the right terrain, yeah, it's a problem. Uh, I would say a, a possibility for close combat armies to get into range closer would be if there was a priority roll between turns. <laughs> Can you think of a system that does that? I can't even think of a system that does that. Oh, sorry. Uh, you, you're next, Brian. A lot, yeah, I agree. A lot of close combat armies have trouble getting in, but some of them have those tools and they can pull it off really well. Like my Admech, I can gar almost guarantee a turn one charge every game. But you got something out about melee? Yeah, I'd like to say that um, the way the rules are written out now, I think it is pretty based, and uh, I do believe that it's pretty darn balanced uh, as far as melee goes. And um, close attack, even with orcs or even with other characters, I believe that they're, the CP that you spend also to get up into close combat helps in the long run. Honestly, overall, I would agree that melee is better in this edition than in previous editions, I would say. So just because it's better in this edition doesn't mean it's good. And I think that's a, the, so the, the one issue that we get is, yeah, the West Coast kind of style of magic boxes. Like, these you get some that are a little different in the Shorehammer kind of developments. A little different. There are other ways to combat it. But on, like, the West Coast, like, the frontline gaming style of box where you're just like, hey, I'm one inch in. There's no way you can charge me. There's no way you can shoot me. Melee has some bonuses. But if you're playing a lot in, say, the East Coast, like most of us are here, you get two L's. Okay you're not going to be able to do any of that. And it's a totally different game. And 
the idea that, well, terrain is the answer, it would be if GW had very solid terrain rules, which they don't. And that has to be like the argument that, that melee would be better if terrain was good. Well, the terrain rules aren't there, so therefore melee isn't good. If the terrain rules were solid, they, were, they worked across the board. And this, we've talked about this before in numerous ones of these Shorehammer sessions. Is there are some built-in rules that kind of work, but they're just not quite defined enough to make them work. I mean, even in uh, ITCs, even making rules about some of the terrain issues where you have these flying vehicles that go on top, and it's going to do some help to the meta where if it fits, I sits. Guess what? Riptides aren't vehicles. So they're going to go right up there, do the exact same thing, and Tau's going to do what Tau does. So I think really the big thing is that if you were talking terrain is what fixes melee, that's not the answer because terrain is not fixed. Good. <laughs> you don't need good terrain. You just need to play Black Templars, get a Land Raider Crusader, move, and charge out of it. You can't even be Overwatch then. You're playing the wrong faction. The issue is not the game. The issue is you. Really, he needs a swarm lord. He needs a swarm lord. Anybody? You got some? All right. Is this topic? You got some? I'll actually follow up on that. I've been playing 40k since third edition, and I've I'm recently knocking on the door to Age of Sigmar, and there are some fantastic models. And getting into the lore, there's a lot of good stuff in the lore. There's a lot of good story. And I actually sometimes wish 40K had as good a lore, but it's all in books and Black Library, and they're so established. But Age of Sigmar is doing really good in that in that, that realm of things. So I definitely agree with that. Yeah, story-wise, it's gotten a lot better, especially since they're actually advancing a storyline, unlike the shit show that was the Great Rift or whatever it was. They brought back 40K. Ah. Be, be careful wanting your storyline to advance, because as an old High Elf player, as soon as they advanced my story, all my good heroes went evil, and all the evil, like, literally raping, baby-murdering people were actually the good guys with Malekith. They're like, oh, he's a good guy. I'm like, he kills babies. They're like, no, no, he's the Phoenix King. It's all right, fine. Be careful wanting them to advance your story. I'm happy that 40K has been the same my whole life. It's one of the only constants I've had when it comes to fluff. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, and shatter my world and kill all the good guys. Well, um, if you just accept Nagash into your life, you'll know where you stand at all times. Unless you're flesh eater for Um, And then you won't have to worry about changing sides. Well, I mean, let's honestly face it with story advancing. I mean, I, I've been reading the Black Library for years, too, and Nothing really changes in the games because how consistent do you want it to be? Like, uh, let's say Vigilus of Blades, for example. We've got a new Calgar, a new Abaddon. Neither one of them was going to die. No. That's not going to happen. So we're going to stay static in some capacity. Yeah, we're going to get new Primaris models of different characters, and people will do this and that, but nobody's going to die or disappear because they sell models. It's the same thing with you. Look at the Black, Black Library. and. Five Space Marines can drop in and take over a planet. On the tabletop, five Space Marines drop in and eight Guardsmen kill them. <laughs> so I'm not necessarily trying to get into the why AOS is better, but stop. Stop. Anyway, I will say there's some mechanics that do help fix some of the feels that suck. The double turn is problematic sometimes, but it also has balance. I get it. I totally get it. 
But you know what? What I love about it, endless spells are great. The idea that, cool, you go first. I'm going to move the thing that's going to really ruin your life towards you right now. So there's a little, at least if you get the, the, that end of the stick where right now, especially in 40K, in 40K you can do way, like I know that 40K has been trying to remove the alpha strike, but still give you all the CP at turn one, so you're not doing anything. <laughs> but like, I do like that there's at least some sort of mechanic that works based off of, well, I go second, at least I get to do something. Yeah. yeah, well, mine's just gonna be quick because you mentioned the endless spells. Um, just as the, uh, just as an example of why I really like endless spells, and to plug it into Shorehammer today, we had the AOS narrative, and the entire chaos side flipped out when we had a second turn, and we saw Purple Son of Shyest just like eat three units, and it was just amazing <laughs> to see. So yeah, endless spells are great. Turn priority can suck, but with the endless spells, it makes it better because you can just control them and kill things. And one other thing to add to turn priority, I've gotten away from calling it a double turn because realistically, you're not getting more turns than your opponent. You're getting a turn priority over them. And actually, for one thing, they bounced it out a little more so that it's not, uh, uh, what is it, uh, ties go to whoever had it previously. But it adds an additional tactical point to the game. If you're just going into it and you're not looking at anything tactically behind it, it sucks. The first few times I got hit with a double turn was terrible. But once you understand you can work to the double turn and include that as part of your strategy in the same way you build your army list or build what characters you're going to have or who's going to be in deep strike, it really becomes a tactical piece to the game. But how do you handle when recess is over and you have to go back to third grade and then we can keep <laughs> playing 40K? I've actually been thinking about, so I haven't actually played Age of Sigmar, but I've been thinking about it a lot as far as, so if you're used to Alpha Strike, you get out there, you Alpha Strike, you overextend yourself. However, if you had to think about, oh shit, they may get two turns in a row, you may not do that, because all of a sudden, you just get two turns getting wailed on, and you may have just deleted your Alpha Strike. Well, I mean, I do too, but... That, that comes down, down to a conversation we had, I think, the other night about um, knowing what's out there in codexes and, and general handbooks. It's, so if you're playing Age of Sigmar and you know that someone's going to have a double turn of some shenanigans, you, if you're going into a tournament or a competitive scene, you know that that's going to happen, right? So you build your list to work around that. And if you go into that not knowing that, I mean, okay, that sucks. But if you're in a competitive scene and you don't know that, that's, that's kind of on you. So, I think the big reason why people get mad about it is because it creates variance. And for competitive players, variance is a bad thing. It's, the, it's literally what you're looking... The best models are the models that consistently do X. It doesn't matter if they do a ton of it. They just do X. But essentially what it gives you is the ability for, cool, you alpha strike. I get a double turn, so I get to basically alpha strike you back, which can be a huge thing, as we 40Kers all know, where you lose half your army, and you're like, cool, I guess I get to play with half an army now? Going twice can kind of fix that sometimes. Although, admittedly, shooting's a lot less in Age of Sigmar than 40K. Uh, quick point on Al and Alpha Strike. I do not play Apocalypse, but something that we should look into, that well, I say we, is in the community greater. If they added a damage phase, that would fix your alpha strike. It would complicate the hell out of the turns, 
but if you rolled if you resolved all your damage at the end of the turn after both armies shot kind of similar aos in a little bit that would actually eliminate the alpha strike because both armies get to blow all their load at each other and then sorry uh phrasing sorry uh both armies get to shoot every all their weaponry at each other and then you resolve the damage the other big thing with it too is it introduces a beta strike way more into it so you're not hardcore beta um so so you have your beta strikers armies you have your alpha strike armies you have your weight armies you have your feel no pain armies that's going out longer it, it builds into it a lot more I was actually surprised in the narrative we just did today. The the um, I was concerned that the initiative swap might really affect something because it's one thing to do it in a normal game. It's a completely different thing when you've got 12 people per side and you potentially can focus on one enemy. But honestly, I didn't feel like it was a huge deal in the Age of Sigmar thing. So I had debated on doing it statically where the first person person always goes first, but it didn't end up being an issue. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. Hey everybody, it's Real Talk with the Pimpcron and Just James, and we are discussing bro trips. Why they are good for your health, why they're good for the hobby, why are they good for the economy? They're just good all around, there's literally not a single negative to a bro trip. What's a bro trip, Just James? Uh, it's a trip with your bros. Thank you, that's what the people were thinking, yes. Simple as that. It is very simple. Um, so where do we usually go for bro trips? We go... Uh, outside of the city. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you are no help at all. No, uh... Go ahead. Uh, couple of bros hanging out, having fun in a, in a vehicle on our way to a gaming store, mm -hmm. someone's house, mm -hmm. far away that we don't usually go to, mm -hmm. you know, like, it's like a once a year, twice yeah. a year trip. And um, hang out with other bros. Like, for instance, we will be going on a bro trip very shortly to uh, Burke's Winter Blast in what weekend after next? Yes. Yeah, in two weeks. So we go there every year. Remember we got 17th place last year and didn't even know what lists we had? So that was good. <laughs> right. And uh, we are teaming up again. They've got a doubles for 40k. and I know what list I have, so, um... so it's, it's a little different than last time. Oh, that's true. And mine, I also know because it's super simple. Yeah. But the same, same here. Yeah. It's it's hard to forget your, what, three models or something? Five, five models. <laughs> five models. And uh, so anyway, the bro, bro trip, like, we'll be going with our buddy Josh. He'll be playing AOS in the Winter Blast um, tournament, and we'll play a team, doubles 40K tournament. And um, it's cool. You guys get in a car, you hang out, you tell jokes, you whatever. I mean, it's... I don't know if all groups are like this, but in our group, you know, we meet on a weeknight, so we don't have, like, a ton of time to, like, sit around and talk. Yeah. As, like, a, as like a friendship, you know, as a group. Yeah, and that's the only time we hang out is at when we meet there, so it's not most... There's been a rare occasion where we'll hang out and not play Warhammer. Oh, man, yeah, definitely rare occasions. I guess, um, not Shorehammer paint parties would be one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Has there any has there been any time where we've done nothing Warhammer related? Uh I don't think so. 
Now, I mean, I have with you, obviously, because we're friends outside yeah, we're, of Warhammer. Yeah. And um, I have with Bliggity Blam Steve because also, like, his children, his child and our my children are friends and birthday parties and whatnot. Um, I have done stuff, my other bro trips, with uh, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. And Matt and Brooks, we, we go do caving and stuff like that, so. Um, but other than that, not really. We don't, you know, it's our, our friendships are all based basically around Warhammer, so. Um, but anyway... So, what are some of the positives to going on a bro trip? Uh, you get to learn more about the other people in the car, other people that you play Warhammer with. Uh, they tell you stories that uh, you don't listen to. No, uh, <laughs> they tell you stories. You learn. You learn more. Uh, you laugh more. It's true. Live, laugh, love. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, kind of remind you. I mean, honestly, to me, it reminds me of. And this sounds dumb because we're not that old, but it reminds me of being young again. Like when you're a teenager, yeah. you're driving around with your friends, or you're doing, you're yep. goofing off. Um, anything, anything goes yes. when you're on the road. Yes, and there'll be a lot of you know jokes that kind of cross the line <laughs> and stuff like that. But that's that's what's fun about a bro trip, and it just doesn't sound as good if you do a female version of it. A cis trip. That's not really a sister trip. Uh, yeah, sisterhood of the traveling pants. Exactly. We are the brotherhood of the traveling dice. That's <laughs> what that is. And um, But anyway, you know, also you get to go somewhere else. Sometimes we stay in hotels if it's like a multi-day thing. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, you're, you're going out to lunch with these people. You're going out to dinner with these people. Like you said, you're solidifying your friendship more than just meeting, playing 40K, talking for 20 minutes, and leaving. Yeah. You know, you you spend literally all day with these people. Yeah, you, you're stuck with them. Yes. And also, like, when it's kind of like, even though we usually travel, we don't travel for tournaments, we travel for pickup games. Like, fun, we'll go to, like, games and stuff, which is one of the stores across the bay. Yep. And we're just there to just have fun. There's no, like, tournament or organized right. anything. Yeah. So, it almost does feel like team shorehammer or team phoenix which is our store or you know it's it's like us all together in a new environment with new people we don't know yeah we want to fight everybody (laughs) (laughs) so but it's true though it kind of gives you a solidarity you know and afterwards you go how was your game you know to your buddy and you're like even if you played separate games you're still like rooting for your friend against whoever this person is you don't know yeah um also you know you get to go i mean i like traveling to to a certain extent i don't like driving for like eight hours but driving <laughs> for three or four or something like that one way is fine and um like i said staying in hotels going to new stores like what about new stores what's cool about going to new stores uh you get to see the the layout of mm-hmm. it uh see what all they have all the products um and inevitably it's different than your home store obviously yeah yeah um and you know we live in kind of a, i always say we live in this like vacuum for gaming there's one store which is our home store phoenix and they're within a half hour of us and then from there on the cl- the next closest store is like an hour or something yeah i think so it's like a far far away maybe more than an hour so this is really like it's hard to find people to game with so we're in this black hole but when you go across the bay, uh, I, I mean across the Chesapeake Bay to Western Maryland, um, you've got D.C., Baltimore, Annapolis, not to mention a ton of other cities and really large towns yeah. 
where their population is so much more, they can support much larger, much more diverse stores. Yep. Which is pretty cool. Do um, you remember the first time we went to games and stuff? Um, we didn't even... <laughs> We didn't even realize they had, like, a whole nother room in the back just <laughs> yeah. for playing games. <laughs> like, oh my god. Something that blew my mind one time is we went to, I think it was Titan, that Titan Games in, um, what was that, Timonium, I think, Lutherville. Timonium. Yeah, that, yeah. And uh, they had, like, a, a hood for, like, priming models. They had, like, a kitchen hood to suck the air yeah. out. And to me, that was just, that blew my mind that yeah, a that, store would have that. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's cool that they've got completely different communities, completely different vibe. Um, I have found, though, that when you are more rural like we are and the community is is thinner, it seems to be much more casual. Yeah. Like like the um, the group of uh, Hatteras guys that we know, um, you know, I, I go to and, and play with Caleb and whatnot. Um, they're super chill. They're not competitive at all, but their group is like eight people. Hmm. It's not 30 people. But when you go near big cities and they've got, you know, a gaming club of 50 or 60 people, the whole environment is much more competitive. That's just what I've noticed. It's weird. Um, it might go back to, you know, life in general is more competitive. They always say people in, in cities have worse attitudes than people in the country because they got to deal with other people's shit nonstop. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, traffic and taxis and yep. just... So I wonder if it's that whole dog eat dog mentality anyway that they you know they're like oh it's, it's you gotta be aggressive you gotta you gotta win you gotta beat the other dude you gotta you know i'm in traffic i'm pissed sort of attitude and of course that's talking in a super broad gen- generalization of people in cities but um but when we play those clubs or we play in those stores it does seem like it's harder to find people that are just super casual and just want a good game do you agree with that you're looking at me kind of funny uh, well, you're funny looking. Oh, uh, but yeah, I, th- I I agree with you. Uh, I was just trying to think of the ratio between casual to competitive that I've played at other stores, but I think it's been uh, more casual, maybe a little, maybe to the middle. You know, another element though, when you're going somewhere on a bro trip and you're playing people you don't know. They don't know how competitive you are. Yes. So they might be bringing a tougher game than they normally would with their buddies because they don't know if you're just going to bring. Here's my seventeen dragos, as you love to, as you love to make fun of me for. <laughs> He's like, dude, is that legal? You can bring seventeen dragos. Open, open war. Yeah, yeah, free play, dude. Um, <laughs> here's Drago and all of his cousins and nephews. <laughs> this is Draga and Dragor and. Uh, but you know, that is true. Every time that we play people we don't know, you're always afraid of just getting flat out stomped. Yeah. So you might try a little harder than you normally would. Yeah. Um, so maybe that is, you know, just cause we're more country people and they're more city people, we go over there and we don't know each other. And that's why to me, at least it seems they're a little more competitive is because they don't know who we are. We could just be bringing our 17 Drago family and you know, I don't know, maybe that's just part of it. But, um. Overall, you know, we've got Winter Blast coming up soon, and uh, me, you, and Josh will be chilling all weekend, which is exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, going to dinner and hanging yeah. out and... Holding hands. Holding hands, yeah. Um, swinging, swinging, pushing each other on the swings. Uh, yeah, yeah. Merry-go-round. Uh, uh, yeah. 
that's I'm really looking forward to that part. Yeah, I've already got it all mapped out on Google Maps. I've got all these pins in where all the local. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized what I was saying. So it was a joke. <laughs> It's like one of those things you just start saying and you don't realize what you're saying until. <laughs> okay, for the record, I do not have a Google Maps with, the, with playgrounds pinned on it. <laughs> it was for your children, you know, where, where yeah, so your yeah. children can go there. Yeah, totally. That was a different connotation <laughs> than I intended. But anyway, uh, ab- abandoned playgrounds. Abandoned playgrounds. Yeah, there yeah, we go. yeah. Uh, <laughs> next to schools yeah no no abandoned <laughs> schools so uh anyway so is there anything else you're looking forward to just creating new memories with all my buddies on these bro trips oh that's sweet that's really sweet of you but i mean honestly do you remember every single uh game that we play every week no nah. no we just played a game right now and i don't remember shit about it we did yeah yeah just recently see my gray knights are still on the board Ugh. Yeah, so I don't know what happened. I guess we won. Huh. But uh, but it's true though. You're making it more of like a memorable experience and something that you're actually gonna. I mean, because we remember the time like that guy, that Iron Hands guy before. No, Admech guy before Admech was a thing. He stomped Alex, and then I got retribution. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, and then he was other... playing Grey Knights, and you were playing Necrons. Alex was playing his Blood Angels. No, no, no. the guy was playing. He was like Grey Knight slash. He had him painted like Admech, but Admech didn't have a book. It wasn't a faction. No, nah, so this I don't was know like what that. Doing. When that guy on the bike with his beamer thing and it did dam- damage. Oh, yeah. Uh, the further it was away and then. Yeah, I don't remember all that. But yeah, I, I remember. Um, I remember it was like a. He was playing as. It wasn't like. Because Admech didn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. But um, remember the Mickey Mouse guy? <laughs> yeah. With the. Yeah. 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 Mickey and Minnie and Imperial Guard. Here's my Commissar Yark, and it's a Mickey Mouse figurine. Yeah, and he's like, like five inches tall. Oh, yeah. He was like the size of a dry, dry, dry knot. <laughs> yeah. Wow, what did I just say? A, a dryer. Dry, a dry washer <laughs> and dryer. <laughs> a, uh, a dreadnought. He was a massive Commissar Yark. And it wasn't even kit bashed. It was literally a figurine of Mickey Mouse. Yes. There was no, like, he didn't put a las pistol in it or anything. <laughs> Um, he had a whole Skaven guard army, so he just swapped out their heads for Skaven, which is fine. That's cool. But but to be led by Mickey and Minnie, yeah, is kind of funny, but also not really. Yeah, and um, what other weird people have we played? You played like Quasimodo last time we went last winter. <laughs> the guy was a, it was a nice guy. He just you know he had some physical problems with him, so it's kind of. I don't want to make fun of him because... Yeah, I, I didn't want to think anything specific. He just looked like he should be ringing a bell tower somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, Hey, this is the guy you guys like to listen to. This, this guy is super nice. James James is looking here. at me. I try to get a reaction out of James. And James is looking uh, uh, visibly pained by what I'm saying because you, you feel bad for the guy. Yeah. No, the guy was nice. It's just that he, he had nice. like a twin growing on him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. He sure did. And then oh, like, then his eye, you know, his yes. one eye was good. Oh, and then his hair was thinning. What else? Yeah. Well, maybe he's got a little wiener. I don't know. 
Yeah, I yeah, actually I saw it in the bathroom. Let's, it was Let's make more fun of this guy. It was guy. like 7 feet long. What if this guy listens to your podcast? How do you know what guy it is? There's a million people, especially in the wargaming community that look like Quasimodo. Come on. <laughs> Come on. But what I found off-putting is that he would in the middle of his game, he was eating like Doritos and every once in a while, he would like reach around and and feed his his twin. <laughs> A Dorito, right? You saw it. Once it would again, go, this is the guy you guys would, like to listen to. It would go... He's so nice. You'd hear it go, crunch, 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 yeah. with his little mouth. This guy is real nice over here. So, Want to make fun of some handicapped kids? <laughs> well, I know where to find them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. This is this is devolved into nothing. So, uh, anyway. What were we talking about? I don't remember. Uh, so, you should get a couple friends that you are friends with, and or enemies, or enemies, and go on a road trip. Go on a road trip. That'd be more interesting, probably. Yeah. And uh, the whole trip is just passive aggressive, like just the whole time. <laughs> Everyone's just being passive aggressive to each other. Um, is are you going to leave the heat on like forever, or uh, my window is locked back here? Are you trying to kill me? That would be a more interesting... Yeah. Yeah. Can you even drive? Exactly. Uh, So anyway, I really do suggest, at least sometime, you should get some buddies and get in a car and just find some other store that's an hour or two away and go over there and hang out for the day, buy some stuff from that local store, and just have fun. Or maybe a tournament or just whatever, but... It really is nice to just spend the weekend with your friends and get, like you said, get to know them better. I mean, you and I have known each other for 20 years or something, but, you know, get get to know them better than you do. Yeah. And, uh, and so. make fun of some guy. And, ma- and, make, and make fun of the less fortunate. That's yes. what you do on these trips. <laughs> and, and hunt children down. <laughs> All right. Bye. Hey guys, this is a special after action report. This is the Pimpcron. Upon editing this segment, I realized that I came off as a serious rube and I should not make fun of people that are less fortunate than us. Okay, so I apologize if I offended anybody or anything like that. The reason why I was talking like that is to get a rise out of James, who was in the room with me, obviously. If you ever meet my wife, you'll know that I always like to get a rise out of people. So I will go farther and farther and farther until they're thoroughly offended and I finally get a rise out of them. That's what I was doing here. So uh, the person that I was making fun of is not disabled. He's not handicapped. He's a normal dude. So it's not like he had some serious disability or anything like that. I'm not making fun of a handicapped person. He happened to have a very strange growth on his neck. So to make things right, I would like to issue a formal apology for making fun of this random person that is completely able-bodied, and I did not mention his name, nor do I know his name, and I've never met him again. Now that we're on the topic of people with strange growths and things like that, um, I just want to let you know that it is my personal policy, if you come to any of my tournaments and you have a dead twin attached to you, you will have to pay for two admissions. So I just wanted to throw that out there.